Mixed with humor and reflections, enjoy wholesome conversations between two lifelong friends on their unique immigrant experiences. Welcome to That's It with Aisha and Busola. Hi guys, welcome back to our podcast. Welcome back to that with Aisha and Busola. So today's topic is assimilation versus authenticity. Mm. <laughs> and this is, for me, I find this topic really interesting because the struggle is real, guys. But um, just to set up, you know, the conversation, I mean, you're wondering what assimilation is, or maybe you know, but it's basically um, how someone from an outside culture blends or absorbs Mm -hmm. into a dominant culture and that seems to be more obvious when you move out of your home country and go into another country that's not to say that authenticity doesn't um, i said authenticity assimilation doesn't occur in other you know spaces but again that story for another day like we can be back home and still be assimilating other cultures dominant cultures of course but um yeah but um then authenticity on the other hand is like what you're struggling with basically which is staying true to yourself and this toggle this you know back and forth between blending into the new culture or staying true to yourself tends to be very, you know, rife when you're navigating your new environment. For example, me and Aisha, we have tons and tons of stories for yep. when we <laughs> arrived in our respective countries. And, you know, that's basically what we'll be just about today. So, guys, welcome. Sit tight and I hope you have fun listening to us. Actually, I remember when I told you I was a graduate teaching assistant, teaching public speaking in my, you know, yeah. doing my first master's program. And I remember when I got that job, I was kind of, I was very excited because, hey, I was getting, you know, the experience, I was getting money taken off, you know, yeah. because of the financial, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so here I was about to start this and I had resolved with myself that I will stay true to my Nigerian self you know <laughs> I, I was in my head I'm like I'm just going to be that Nigerian professor that Nigerian teacher that everyone's just going to get used to because in my head I'm thinking well we have a couple Hispanic Indian mm-hmm. Chinese you know different people from different backgrounds backgrounds that you know they speak the way they speak right yeah. and I'm like I'm just going to be one of them and then I walk into this class we had like weeks and weeks of trainings the prep oh. was on point got to the class it was like 30 something students from all levels like freshman to what's it called senior year Mm -hmm. and then i write my name on the board i spell it out like how to say it try to teach them i wasn't getting too much response but i just continued (laughs) (laughs) and then i noticed like towards the end of my introduction i was like okay so any questions like 70 percent of the class had this and then i remember this very stubborn girl <laughs> i don't want to say her name but yo that girl showed me pepe throughout sitting in front and she was like raised her hand and she was like 
um, can you like say everything you've been saying again? Because <laughs> like we don't really understand. And I'm like, ah, like and I turned to the whole class like, are you guys serious? Like you people don't understand me. Mm-hmm. And then the one mom like, oh, can we do that? So I had to literally take the whole intro again, and then I said, my brain now went into this switch mode. Like, okay, adjust more, but this speaks more Nigeria. <laughs> It was so messy. Like I was not so I can imagine. Hi, my name is Bisola from Nigeria. Um, <laughs> you know, it was so awkward. Um, by the next, you know, couple of classes I was doing, as you know, a version of the American accent I could produce that was functional for the class, and I got more engagement, and class became more interesting. But um, after. I, throughout that period, after every class, I'll come out with a banging headache because my brain <laughs> was going through trauma of making sense, teaching the correct the, teach, um, the correct content, and then speaking in a way that people underst- understand. And I kind of had this, you know, dissonance within me, like I was betraying something, but I also just needed to survive. And that kind of has been the story with me. No, it's very relating to accents and obviously relating to quite a number of other things. You know, I, I remember telling you about how my dad would say, Oh, I admire Chimamanda and what's that um, world mm-hmm. organization woman? Um, what's her name? Okonjo Iwala. Like, yeah. they're powerful women. They speak the way they speak. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, you don't know when they were, you know, graduate assistants, whether they were, they were doing, you know, phone as we call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nobody knows. I know, right? And then maybe mm-hmm. as their influence became, uh, as their influence increased, I guess it became less important to speak a certain way. And that's what I really aspire to get to where it really doesn't matter how I speak at a certain how point in my career and I'll just be able to, I'll be comfortable and I'll be as authentic mm-hmm. as I can you know, because many times I feel like a fraud when I'm doing nye, 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 for nail <laughs> no, like me I mean, that time when I first started in the workforce, eh, as soon as I got to Australia, whenever I got home, it was like taking off my bra and removing my wig. <laughs> I think we're allowed to say this. <laughs> but the truth is, it was exhausting. And I remember when I started working at customer care. Oh my God. Sola. Sola. Oh my goodness. And you know the thing about talking on the phone, mm. especially in the informal settings, they, they can't see your lips. Mm-hmm. The truth is, if I was doing like face, you know, customer facing role, mm-hmm. they can still see my non verbal cues. Read your lips. <laughs> Ever, and they will make something out of it. But this one, you can't even see him. So you have to rely on your ears alone to communicate oh with them. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> it was a struggle. And you know, just like you, I, I also went with, well, I'm going to be my authentic Nigerian self. <laughs> and <laughs> if you cannot understand what I'm saying, well, you too bad. Need mm-hmm. to listen up. <laughs> But I didn't know I was in for a big shock. So the first thing is I started experiencing a lot of frustration because people would say, uh, mm-hmm. pardon me, can you come, come again? And oh I'm like, God. that condescending. Me, huh? Huh? me that's in Nigeria, my English is like uh-uh. top notch. Why not You're not the best team or something? Why not one of those? I was in the best. Hey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, me are saying you can't hear me you know so it was a lot of struggle and i remember i would get really frustrated because i knew how to do my job well mm-hmm. but 
one thing that kept getting in my way was like a lot of uh come again pardon me this that and i was like once <laughs> I, there was one busala he was like um excuse me is that australia i said yes and he's like oh I like to speak to an Australian, like a real Australian, oh someone talking God. to me from Australia. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> you know? And like a whole lot of people to the point that I'll tell you one. This guy said, oh, I'm sorry, your, your accent is too strong for me. It's too, I think he said it, it was too thick or it was too strong mm-hmm. or whatever. And I remember feeling very upset. I escalated to my team leader at the time. And she was like, oh, don't worry. The guys just, you know, just cuss him out, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then I was so mad that I even went to check the guys. <laughs> Maybe I just Googled the name. Like, I'd never mm-hmm. done that before. But mm-hmm. this one really got to me. Mm-hmm. And I saw that his wife is an ethnic person, like, like I don't want to mention the nationality here. Mm-hmm. This, this is an ethnicity with like really mm-hmm. equally strong accents mm-hmm. when they speak English as well. So I'm like, really, That's really. <laughs> That's rich. That's exactly. Crazy thing, though. I was going to say, you know, even after all the, you know, creating a version of the accent that you're trying to blend into, mm. you'd have spoken like the best phone you can do, and then it sounds like, <laughs> know. Oh, where are you from? I'm like, ah. So all the all the effort my brain has been spewing since morning, you still t- they can still tell, you know, and it's, it's crazy tell. because I speak I a know. third language, I speak French, and it's the same interference. If as long as you have a base language, it will always interfere. Mm. So it will transfer, and they can always tell. So in my head, they I'm can like, always tell. Um, uh, me, I've had I've had a lot of people tell me, "Oh, you sound like you're from Turkey. You sound like I'm um, like I've had." I don't know Someone how many countries. My husband is Jamaican. I'm like that's the, <laughs> that's the height. <laughs> Somebody asked me if I'm actually African American because oh I sounded God. like an American. I'm like, well, maybe too many American movies. It, I don't know. No, but I think it's sometimes just not just trying to point out the difference without trying. Yeah. I, I don't know. They, they can't. A lot of them can help just spotting the difference. I remember one of my friends. Well, not a friend. We were, we were classmates, but she's doing her PhD in some school. Mm. And she was talking about how she was speaking in a forum with some people. And someone like, stopped the conversation and said, Oh my God, I hear an accent. Where are you from? And she said where she was <sighs> from. And then she flipped the question to her, like, and then where's your accent from? And then the person goes, oh, <laughs> I don't have an accent. Like, <laughs> um, and she goes, no, you have an accent. And then she starts going red in the face. I feel like I've shared the story before. And you, you know, told me, I think you mentioned yeah, it before. And, and it, it, I mean, conversation became awkward. But I, that needs to just mention also, like, bro. Move on, mm. like move. <laughs> yeah, you move on. Like well, I, I just feel like you understand I feel what like, I'm saying. Just move. I feel on. like the act itself. Like why would you even stop someone in the middle of a conversation, especially when you're not the only person exactly. in that conversation? Mm. I, I just think I think it's rude, like to stop someone just because. Can't you? You can wait. Like be patient. Exactly. They just no? and then we even have to finish. Like get used to it. Like people, people speak different. Like move on. You know, anyway, that whole struggle, internal struggle of, oh, God, here again, another day. Of another day, another. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going out to make this freaking, like, the relief when you get I home, know. You know, and then you're like, oh. when you see people from other ethnicities sounding very, mm-hmm. 
unquote authentic no speaking the way they speak from where they i mean at least that's what you think sometimes Mm -hmm. it pricks me like oh i wish i could just not send unquote like these people and i'll do it Mm. guess what i found out from one of my colleagues who is from south asia and she was like oh no no what she's doing right now is funny and to me it sounded like (laughs) (laughs) it sounded like real real like and all of that and I'm like say what you know anyway I'm I'm like that's probably how it sounds to these people it's just really weird that struggle is real it's real guys it's real struggle and it it can be exhausting too and I I think like you know some people some people might judge you and say oh she's assimilating or you know you're trying to assimilate and you're not being authentic to yourself I bet to disagree because sometimes because it, it, and it also depends on where you are. So if you are, if you were in a customer service role where it has to be on oh, the phone, the pressure, mm, mm, mm. the pressure is real mm-hmm. compared to if, say, you're an engineer or like you person. don't have to. Yeah, you don't rely on your speaking right. to actually do your job. Then you can easily get away with being authentic, <laughs> like do whatever you want. Like yeah. nobody cares because yeah. you're not relying on how you speak to get the job done. I so I think I it's, it's, it's a whole, like, there are varying factors and there are different situations. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I've also been in a situation where I was on the phone and I was really upset about a service that had been rendered to me. And I was mad to the point that I was not even speaking any accent. I mean, oh, any... Because no, your, like your brain takes over at some point. I was like, listen, we're going to get what we're going to get out and it's not going to have any accent. <laughs> you know, this, this, I mean, just random. The person's name, let's say she's she's Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Normally, I would have said, hi, Rebecca. Can you call, can you call? And I'm like, Rebecca, look, <laughs> send me to your manager. I swear, like, I wasn't even trying to. I was <laughs> not trying to switch or anything i was rebecca pass me to your manager now i want to speak to your manager <laughs> like i was so mad so i mean it really depends on the situation you're in so if your job relies on it so i'll say there's always like you said that talk of war between assimilation yes. and and it's when, i feel like when the brain can no longer handle it just defaults to authentic it just what happens to me during presentations because listen i'm just trying to be correct here then mm-hmm. beginning i'll go i'll be doing the easy ones you know hi welcome to my presentation da, da, towards the end i'm like so the theory says that the most important thing is to- <laughs> You know, and this this again, I'm I'm happy we started from the point of view of like the workplace and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um it, it even boils down to, you know, saying your name. Um, oh, you know, don't get me started. <laughs> Wearing yeah. your hair, the kind of food you take, to, like it's, it, it boils down to so many things. And the workplace can be a very interesting place to navigate because I feel like maybe when you're at home and you're relating with neighbors, you're able to like compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. But at work, you're also on this, it's different. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're on this, you know, crazy survival mode. And bro, which is why <laughs> when they said work from home, oh. That, that's bliss for me because 
But I feel like a lot of I don't know I don't know whether to say just people from with African um you know background. I think is generally if you're a minority in a country where you know of course you're a minority in a country where there's like a lot a, a whole lot of other people. I feel like you, you get to feel a bit isolated sometimes, and with the name spelling Busala, I'm an I'm on defaults, you know, spelling my name because I'm oh I kind okay. of tired of people saying, Oh, so this so I will save you all that stress and spell it before you even ask me. But then so, what so I like did, when you need to talk to IT for example and they're asking for your hmm. email address or your name. I just spell it out. Yeah, still hmm. spell it out. Same. <laughs> but Same. what I did also, but I remember one time innocently, so the first time I did this it was very innocent, so this person called called me, I, I can't remember their name, maybe it was John Smith or some I mean, English name and I said, can you spell that for me please, this was on one and I remember the awkward silence mind you, it was a very innocent question, but I remember the person went like oh. okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait do you, do you not know John? <laughs> <laughs> what just happened you know and this person's like spelling it to me in in a in a very aggressive way mm-hmm. yeah as if how come you can't spell my name and i'm yeah. like that was when i realized that okay so asking some people to spell their name who think like everybody should know should how to spell their name, their name mm-hmm. is i'm like that was when it dawned on me like oh really because i never ever thought like there were people who thought like oh you should be able to spell my name as mm-hmm. if you yeah. I mean you'll be surprised or everything like, revolves oh, I, still, I still met someone last week actually this wasn't at work or anything last week and she mm. said hey um, what's your name I said Busola and she said oh what's your, do you have a nickname I'm like Busola is the nickname like dude <laughs> like I could have given you the longer one Olu Busola you know just that I don't know that that ugh. Bre- but anyway, my myself to mm-hmm. fit in is it's is it's a know, very it's intense. Yeah, it's a very intense thing to to know. me too. I mean, it was part of my payback. So when <laughs> you know, sometimes if I just wanted to muck around, I'd be like, "Can you spell your name for me, please?" And <laughs> I always liked the silence that followed after. It was fulfilling because I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, you know." It's good to spell your name because I, I might you even don't know get how to spell Renee. Everyone's name is Renee. <laughs> I never have known how to spell Renee, and that's the truth. So spell it for me, you know. But anyway, I guess that's that in terms of work, mm-hmm. and you know, can we talk about hair dressing? You know, assimilation versus you know being authentic to yourself. Where is the Ankara? That you took to <laughs> can you can you tell me where is the Ankara that you took to America? No, because so no one excuses that I've gained weight. You know how you put an Ankara to I church like, and everything. I feel like, like in America. Hmm. I feel like in America, Ankara. Anc- well, certain types of Ankara would still. Hmm, let me say this carefully. You still you get by with it. But okay, is the less is the two the two <laughs> still ways. Ways. you know the ones we slay with back home. I don't know what they are called, but the one I always remember is mm-hmm. the type they used for um Adesua and Banky W's wedding. You know, all those when mm. those 
type of laces that where apart from church, please, where are you wearing it to? Do you know? <laughs> oh, you know, like, do you know how I just I'm just so envious of like when I see all these people going for events and they put those um head wraps that they're like gillies but they're like small and cute to tie them into. Mm-hmm. Actually, imagine they call gala, they say, okay, there's a gala event or you know, cocktail at your office and you want to just you know mm-hmm. show, <laughs> show up and you know, show up mm-hmm. in the way you know and you show up like that. Mm-hmm. Best believe your outfit is going to be the discussion from the beginning to the end of that event. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. It oh is, my it God. is. Oh, that Ankara one, the, the moment you wear it and even to work. Some people, mm. I feel like it depends on kind of work though. Maybe they're a tech person, you know, mm. because they tend to be very casual and more inclusive and maybe just used to diversity. Mm. But you're working in like government office with Cheryl, Jack, and Brian. Or you put your head. Since wait, you even now put it as headband. That's a good topic. I remember also the first time I took my afro to work, and someone said, "How did you get your head to do that?" I'm like, wow! Like you guys just come up with the most interesting questions. It literally grows out of my head like that, ma'am. Like, how did I get my head to do that? There's always one question or the other. Another mm-hmm. one is when you're interviewing for jobs, do you want to go with your in America at least? I know it's a big deal. Do you want to go with your braids or do you want to go with a wig that brings less attention to how you look? So you probably want to go with a straight wig or even if it's curly, uh-huh. like it's not too big or it's not dramatic or it's not being political like they say. Yeah. Or if you wear uh-huh. braids, braids is considered um political or something. And when you get the job, then you can switch back uh-huh. to default to your and then start I think that happens to me, Basala, and I'll be really honest with this because when I wanted to do the interview, I was like, hmm. Let me just back my head to the back and you know just because normally i would rather i would prefer to wear braids right but i felt like hmm, let me just put this hair back and you know pack it to the back mm-hmm. and that's not to say i'm not being my authentic self i guess i'm also trying to anything that is going to get in my way of like i'm trying to like remove pick your battles yeah, picking exactly, your, battles. your battles and i'm trying to remove as many you know and that's not to say that if i went in with my full braids i still wouldn't have gotten the job i guess you'll be be surprised in some places you'll be surprised you'll be surprised i'm saying saying, no i'm just saying that the risk i get that that it might not have been Mm -hmm. you know impediment to me getting the job Mm -hmm. but you don't want to find out I would rather play it safe. I mean, it, it's just one of the many struggles that we have as, you know, I know in my You know the irony about that hair stuff? Back home, if you like slay straight hair, bone straight to curly, natural hair, gorimapa, like just go. I mean, it's a different dynamic there. And then here, all of a sudden, it's like there's a method, there's a formula you mm-hmm. need to apply to ensure that mm-hmm. certain things about yourself don't interfere with where you're going or what you're trying to achieve and it's mm-hmm. so it's so interesting the things you might your mind has to start processing when it comes to mm-hmm. all this new mm-hmm. environment and even things like wearing colors like i'm like ah oh, i'm dark skin mm-hmm. and i love wearing black mm-hmm. i 
I could wear black. I, I had gone to an interview where I wore black inner, black jacket, black pants. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know, I could wear black all day. But mm-hmm. then I started reading about all these tips. So if you're dark skin, maybe try and put on a little bit of color. Mm-hmm. Or if you're this, if you're that. You know, like the, the struggle is just real. And at the end of the day, I feel like we'll get to maybe 100 years from now, maybe, you know, our kids or our children's children might not have to do this because people would have gotten so used to, especially I'm talking here in Australia, mm-hmm. like you would naturally see like a black person, you know, you know, because I still feel like there's some suburbs in this Australia that they don't have a black person or they've not seen a black person because I've been to some suburbs here where they're staring at me like, yeah. gosh, yeah. I could feel their eyes on my skin. Yeah. Like if looks would kill, yeah. I would be dead. Like straight, <laughs> straight like it was just really awkward. So I feel like maybe hundred years from now our children's children would not even have to worry. Like maybe they're doing interviews or like, you know, things like that. But I feel like for now this is a struggle and you know we have to keep rolling within and you know, keep moving and mm-hmm. keep making Best out of every. Yeah, being super optimistic. When the way this place is set up, I would say everything you said divided by (laughs) fifty. I'm really well. Maybe optimistic. Yeah, I'm not as optimistic as you are. I'm generally an optimistic person, but I think the tides are changing real fast. Like if you, if I bring up the statistics of immigrants in Australia and a lot of like that. You, you will see like a lot of things are now being incorporated just yesterday mm-hmm. i was seeing that they're saying they want to introduce like other public holidays in australia such as um is it diwali the oh, one okay. for the yeah 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 such as luna luna new year events and all those things that's I'm, i mean i'm happy you guys are on that track we should have those conversations that's... you know and if you if you if you look at the the, the statistics of the immigrants in Australia and children that are born to immigrants, mm-hmm. I can tell you 100% in 100 years, it will be completely different. Completely I mean, different. I, I hope that doesn't terrify some people the way it does here, where they, are, they have like different... Of course. Of course. Um, what's it called? It's like propaganda where it's like, oh, there's a replacement theory. Like, oh, you guys have been oh, replaced. Yeah. But yeah, we so. have them here too. Yeah, yeah. they're people. Exactly. They're all, so that's why I'm pessim- pessim- pessimistic. What's the word? I can't even speak English today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there are people that, like that here as well. I just don't think they're the majority. So, Good for fortunately for everybody else, they're not. I don't think majority of people hold that view. I mean, I could be wrong, <laughs> but I mean, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, again, divided by 50 for America. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about food. I'll give an example from my sister. She had this, she was hosting class parents. Your sister sister is in America. Oh, my sister, uh, yeah, my older sister, sister in America. She, she lives here in Texas. Yeah. Yes, for context. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, she, so do you have what is called class parents, like the parent of the kids in your kids' class? Like you guys have like a cohort and you guys hang out together and you do stuff like that. I'm sure they do, but I'm okay. not one of those. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so they had one of those in the Montessori and actually maybe it also coincided with 
um maybe a birthday or something and then now she's inviting mm. people from different backgrounds some african americans okay. indians white people from i don't know their mm. backgrounds all all types of people and mm. then the question was what do i serve them because yo you're mm. coming to a nigerian house and the thoughts is you should at least expect expect to eat something you know nigerian but i also want you to have something that you can eat so am i doing tons of pizza and just sprinkles of like nigerian snacks here and there will maybe puff puff mm-hmm. and puff, puff is safe doesn't have spice or do mm-hmm. i maybe just make a drink like chapman or zobo and hope people like it and say oh it's like the high mm-hmm. tea from starbucks or something and i remember like yeah. for weeks you draw menus and cancel it and Mm. Um, at some point so just okay, like it's real. please order jello fries to yeah, both yeah. Of- <laughs> uh, whatever and I should like just throw in like, a couple boxes of pizza anyone who can who cannot eat this eats the pizza well, you know mm-hmm. and then maybe she got cakes and sandwiches and then she did Chapman as the main drink when I tell you everything hmm. finished like people ate both the pizza and the rice mm-hmm. and the suya and the, it was it was phenomenal how you know they were interested to try some of these things they've never tried before mm-hmm. and i'm like maybe i really don't need to overthink the lunch i take to work yeah. when i take lunch to work i usually just take the things i can pop in the microwave that won't cost a sin because i honestly want mm-hmm. to take my goosey like honest to go down <laughs> I don't take my goosey to work, but I'm thinking, you want the fire. Iru, I want to eat, I put iru and um, crayfish inside this thing, and I know that <laughs> I know that the next person who want me that food is not going to pray for me. <laughs> Mind you, when I was pregnant and I was still working at Samsung, I was heavily pregnant, so that I took Gary, um, Moi Moi. Not once, not twice. <laughs> and I was eating my curry and my mind because you know what? I could not be bothered. Maybe if I wasn't pregnant, I would still have been cautious. It but this one while. I was like No, I started doing stuff like that. Maybe I'll take oats because I'm not I'm not really a gary person like that though, but I'll take my mind to work and I'll just go do mm. it took a while to get to that point. But mm. I want to just take anything. I want to take Ayamasi, for God's sake. I want to take Fadas too. I want to take things I want to take and not just give two hoods. I mean, eventually, I hope... I, because imagine if I have my I have my office one day, or at least I have, like, an exclusive... Mm-hmm. You know, again, the way works, work is set up these days, there's nothing like office or gas office. But, you mm-hmm. know, maybe I, I will at some point be able to have access to eating whatever I want to eat without just giving to... You know about other, yeah. yeah. I think similar to you here, like similar to you know what happened with your sister, people here embrace like our food. So I know, like, if you've you know, like with jollof rice, it's always a banger, it's always a hit. Like, people enjoy Nigerian jollof, yeah, jollof so, rice is like our mainstream, yeah. So, people enjoy <laughs> just jollof. too much pepper, but I think it, in terms of you know, like caring about what to take to work i think I'm, I'm a bit different with that one i honestly really don't care like not because i want to be offensive i think i just see it as my food and you know because there's some people who bring food that smell to work and exactly obviously like i would i would be careful not to like if it's if it's an offensive smell or something i feel like might offend people but it's not something i tend to 
think too much about because it's my yeah. food, really. If, yeah, it, if, I, if I'm microwaving mm-hmm. and it's smelling, I might just take it outside or maybe open the windows or just That's do something true. to make it better. But I probably wouldn't even think too much about it. And I'm just going to eat because it's my food. And if somebody were to walk up to me to say maybe it was offensive, then maybe that's when I'll start to think about my response. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that anybody would really walk up to say it's offensive, but it's just the faces or the audience. <laughs> so I, I think once, like, oh, what is this? Yeah, once I took um, poundo and okra, like seafood okra, mm. but I had hit it up and my shift started right before 12 noon. So I was able to hit up the food from home and I went straight to the lunchroom. Mm. And then I started eating and this food had like the slime, you know, like the okra thing. And the person eating mm. their bagel and whatever beside me kept staring like, what, what is this person eating? Why is it drawing? And all that. She was like, that's, that's, then she goes, oh, that, that looks really ethnic. Honest to God. <laughs> she said, that looks really ethnic. Honest to God. I was, I was just like, ah, oh, I should just eat this thing from home. Honestly, I'm just eating this thing from home. That looks really ethnic. With a very exhausted smell, I was just like, it's a Nigerian meal. It's kind of a staple. I said, and I said, um, it's pounded yam, but if you've heard people say fufu, then this is like something close. She's like, oh my god, I see the challenge on social media, fufu. And then the conversation ended, but I was so exhausted to have to answer <laughs> to that conversation. I mean, I know it can be. I know some people are genuinely curious, yeah. and some people are just interested to learn. Mm-hmm. But I also think it can be exhausting having to educate people yeah. all the time. All the time. Sometimes I'm in a good mood to educate you. Other yeah. times I just would ignore. I don't want to talk. I just want to eat my food and be left alone. Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends on you know the mood <laughs> at the time but yeah i know the struggle is real Bissala. and i know like you know you know how we were saying that we're going to also talk about maybe another topic for another day about maybe loneliness or the yeah. isolation oh that my you feel. god i know like people don't tend to talk about that as well and i know people even say things like oh why don't people talk about how lonely it is when you live in the abroad mm-hmm. but i guess that's a topic for another day yeah it's i mean Next. i feel like some of these factors mm-hmm. also contribute to it because you're like who is really my tribe because you have like an mm. you have a i don't know what to call it, like a compartmentalized version of friendships but none of them are deep enough to be like my own people that i can just not wear a wig or speak the way I Tell speak me about or it. anything. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, maybe some people are lucky to find people that are from different backgrounds and they're eventually able to be themselves around, which mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so happy for you. But it takes a while to get to the, those places, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think I, for one, in terms of, you know, like tribe, friendships, I tend to gravitate more t- towards, like, first of all, Nigerians. And then maybe Africans. Mm-hmm. Now, does it mean I'm friends with other like tr- races? Or of course I am, but mm-hmm. like you said, it's not always that deep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a natural thing. Like people tend to gravitate it's towards what's, what's, what's familiar. Exactly, mm-hmm. what's your family. That's just natural, yeah. you know. Um. 
your sister's a mom and you know she would she'll be able to relate and i'm sure you know you've been an auntie oh, yeah, i lived with them for quite a while so i was able to see some of these things mm-hmm. with having to parent parent <laughs> oh god child. when i first moved here Busala, <laughs> i mean i came with a one-year-old child who you know was this was the beginning of <laughs> tantrums <laughs> tantrum trying and everything and i mean me i myself i was still trying to navigate the whole system i was getting used to the culture i was learning and you know migration is never easy mm-hmm. i'm sure you know that mm-hmm. and you know we moved as a young family we're still trying to find our way and i'm also i mean we're also dealing with parenting this little ball of energy and I remember, you know, when we talk about assimilation versus authenticity, Mm -hmm. I would say it took me a while to get to my authentic self when it came to parenting. Because what I I did in the beginning was, I I mean, I I would see how people parent their children in the West and how, you know, outside and like talking sweetly to the the child. And if the child were were to throw like a tantrum, they would say, hey, John, could you please? You know, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> and then, you know me, I'm like, hey, how do I go about this parenting? Because my version of parenting, or what I've seen most of my life, is you know, if a child were throwing tantrum, they will be told off. You know, and so there was this constant struggle, right. and even. Though at the beginning, I kind of admired that way of parenting. Mm-hmm. I soon quickly found out that some of it was just a, is a charade or like a performance. Facade. Mm-hmm. A performance. Yeah, because I, I started learning from my colleagues as I, you know, went through, like, I worked with, like, a, a lot of people, mm-hmm. a, quite a number of people. And I met, like, a lot of ladies who, you know, were born here, you know western everything and they were they started telling me how they used to spank their kids hmm. and whoop their kids and and i'm and i'm in shock because i'm like that's not <laughs> that's not what the media shows me because what the media shows us is like you know it's the ethnic or african or black woman or ethnic generally will spank their child and hit them to a point of stupor but you know on the other hand, in the West, they have a more like, you know, um, gentle approach yeah, to parental approach. And that's a lie. That's, that's <laughs> you know, <what's> that? <laughs> I was in shock when I found out how these people said, oh my God, I'm going to whoop my kid. I'm going to do this. I feel like some of them even whoop their children. I mean, more than I would ever have done in my entire life. Right. You know, maybe back in Nigeria or something. And it began to dawn on me like it's similar to like social media hmm. you can never compare the how you parent mm-hmm. to what you see outside because these people come out and then they're all sweet and nice to the kids but it's not the same in the house they yell i've seen people but so like yell at their kids <laughs> in the car and i will be in shock like i could never even yell at my kid like this you know yeah so I think it took me a while to tell myself that, look, parenting is a journey. Mm-hmm. It's a learning curve. I will always learn. And, you know, me and my child, we get to know each other and we'll better the relationship, you know. But I will stay true to myself, yeah. to my culture yeah. and 
to how best I can parent my child yeah. because all these performative, you know, things outside about, <laughs> hey, could you please, some of them, I mean, some, don't get me wrong, some of them are legit. Mm-hmm. Like some people have actually, you know, mastered master the art of yeah. gentle parenting. So I'm not saying everybody's being fake or whatever, <laughs> but like quite a number of people are just, they're just, they're just doing it because they're outside, you know? Yeah. So I, I think I've gotten to points where if I had to tell my child off and a certain like person or a woman or a group of people look at me in a certain way and saying, or even judging me, yeah. I, I really don't like I used to care, but at this point I'm going to train my child or discipline them the way that I feel is the best way, you know, yeah. that I you know, the best possible way that I can parent. So, um, it took me a while to get there, but <clears throat> It took me a while to get there, but it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm, I'm in a happy place where I can make my own decision about how I want to parent my children. Mm-hmm. And still works for your situation. Yes, yeah. I learn from many different cultures, mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. different races. I pick what is good and I, you know, imbibe them. But I still stay true to myself, and I never feel like someone's parenting is superior to superior. my style yeah. or, you know. So I I think I've come to a happy place, but it took me a while to actually get here. And I know that a lot of parents, you know, like, you know, Nigerians who move abroad Mm -hmm. also have this issue as well because they're not sure if, you know, they should scold or they should do gentle parenting because we're not used to gentle parenting and that's the <laughs> truth <laughs> so like we're not used to gentle parenting my parents didn't gentle parent me like my mom would yell my dad would yell you know and or is there just like the general strictness about things like so mm-hmm. apart from like discipline so you know the way in your Nigerian mind is looking like uh, looking at a 7 year old that has an iPhone 14 and you're like in what world? <laughs> I didn't have a phone until like your maybe master's eight. degree. Why do you have a freaking? <laughs> why do you have a freaking iPhone fourteen at seven? Because she turned seven. Everyone can do that, you know. And she, I, I mean, when when you think about even just our general view of life and how you want mm-hmm. to create, like almost like a reward system or. Uh, mm. You know, just make a child grounded in fact that things are not handed to you. Life is not, you know, mm-hmm. pure white or pure black. It's, you know, there are in betweens or just mm-hmm. how do you how do you imbibe those values without making your child end up like a misfit? So I remember one mm-hmm. day my niece asked my sister a question in the line of, "Mom, am I a Nigerian or an, or an American?" And it took her like several days and, you know, for just mm. continued conversation to unpack all of that. And she, she started by, you're Nigerian American. And she goes, am I black American? She was like, well, <laughs> you're Nigerian American. You are, uh, your race on paper will be black because you have a brown skin like mommies. Like, you know, mm. she has to break all of that down. Like, so when you're taking it for me to be African or black. And that's why you have to do this. That's why you have to, um, that's why you identify as that. But in the context of American, like basically explain the difference between being African American in the, in the way it's understood here in America and, um, Nigerian American, but she goes, but Nigeria is an African. And then she goes, yes. You know, again, now all these conversations bring out how you want to raise your child. 
again by mm. default because your child is born here raised here they probably won't mm-hmm. be nigerian enough and they or don't let me say enough because again now we're creating hierarchies but they they would be as nigerian as can be based on how they are raised and then they'll be as american mm-hmm. as can be based on how they are raised and that's what you want to achieve right. where they have an identity of their origin their ancestry mm-hmm. and their culture and all of that where it is applicable so again i know that in school i'm probably going to play more to my american self but um all of that is driven by my nigerian values mm-hmm. that are functional within the american system like it's so crazy when you have to do some of these things and i've seen my sister over time like struggle navigate mm-hmm. is you know get comfortable get to a happy place with some of these things i'm like bro and you don't even get started on some of the things that would happen or will happen to you as a parent you know living like you in america me in australia i'll tell mm-hmm. you what one time let me tell you this very funny story i'm sure i've told you before mm-hmm. i got cold so my son kishi was in school oh my God, I and, <laughs> and this is me in the middle of work and it was in the in the very like in the heat of the pandemic so we had started working from home and i got this call um ma'am you need to come kishi kishi you know fell whatever and bumped his head and he has like a giant bump on his head i'm like oh my god (laughs) i just dropped everything i was doing and i was like entering my car and dashing off to the childcare. Thankfully, it was like maybe seven or eight minutes to the house. So I was able to get there in time. And you know, my anxiety went through the mm-hmm. roof. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's happening? By the time I saw my son, he was happily <laughs> jumping and playing. And I went to, uh, the first thing I reached out for was his head because I wanted mm-hmm. to see the bump. Lo <laughs> and behold... What they were calling bomb was my son's ogo. <laughs> no, the non was the English. Let me let me check. Ogo is, is that o- occiput? Like the I think is that what it's called? The back of the head. The back of the head. And you know, like blessings God gives you about people. Even Belly has it because it's not like protruding or anything. But it was the shape of his head. And I'm like, is this what you're referring to as a bomb? Yeah, it's and called occiput. Yes. Oh my the god, the occiput. Basala, I shame, I, shame know, on them. The feeling of, <laughs> I didn't know whether to be upset or to feel relief that you know it wasn't actually a bump and that he was fine. And I it's said, the, the is this cultural it? competence for me? Like, are you kidding? I just said, is this, is this what you're referring to? And they all said, yes. I just turned around. I said, yeah, he'll be fine. I'll come pick him after school. Oh my God. And I just walked away because okay. I didn't know. <laughs> oh my God. And you know, after a while, I, I thought, I felt like they had genuinely, it was, it was a genuine like error. Like it was a genuine, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was not annoying. Mm-hmm. But it's exhausting, you know, for me, me at the receiving end, it's also exhausting. So in as much as I also want to give, you know, I also want to be gracious and say, look, these people didn't know. Otherwise, they wouldn't have panicked and said, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's exhausting for me as the mom. And, you know, just knowing that this is just the shape of my son's head. Exactly. And I, I thought like. Didn't they see his head? Like my son had been in that childcare for what over a year, and 
you don't know what the shape of his head looks like. I'm not saying like examine his head when it comes into the talk, okay, but like how so bad now, is are it you, that are you, are you supposed to so now the burden of educating them one is on you then how do you mm-hmm. raise your child to if you can't raise them to preempt situations like that yeah, situations like that but you also want to arm them with the skills to navigate such things the older they get because i don't think it will necessarily get better look at all the things you said about workplace the questioning how the struggle between you know your authentic self defaulting to what you call your home values and all those things back and mm-hmm. forth how do you raise your children to be self-aware mature enough civil enough like bro it's a lot yeah but honestly we should have the guest teacher we'll, we'll, we'll continue. conversation is <laughs> the conversation is ongoing for not knowing <laughs> you know I, if i could give her a knock i would and i would just show her oh no god that's what's ongoing and then just give it to one pass like oh pop. my god can you imagine <laughs> oh god I think what's what's the next one? I think we have just one or two more to go. Oh, I think we want to talk about house um, demography, demography, location. Oh my goodness! I think we can. Say, well, I think I okay, had, okay, okay, you yeah. go, you go, you, you go, you go. First. No, you go, you go. <laughs> I mean, for me, because recently, yeah. I mean, we've just had to we, we just had to make a choice in that area uh, in Australia. For housing, yes, we, we had to make a choice, you know, in terms of where we will be and be for a while. And I think in the for me, I wasn't looking for. I know our own people. We tend to want to find a place where, and I know you said this thing mm-hmm. to me before. In America, there's more um, amenities where there's less like Men- ethnic people. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, people of color or minorities. Well, so it's similar here. Minorities, yeah. Yeah, it's similar here, but I don't think it's it's as bad. Like in most suburbs here, you find, you know, you find like amenities that you need. Because Australia is like you find Woolworths or Bunnings or Aldi. Like it's the same store across board, really. So it's not that pronounced. I think as far as like even the quality of like education, healthcare, Hmm. um, fire service, all things around. So. Again, okay. this comes, I guess, with the history of how the country was set up and discrimination and, I guess, the segregation that has happened mm-hmm. over time. So, um, And it's also a classist divide, too. So, again, where like, it tends to be like poorer communities and they say a predominant type of people end up in those communities versus mm-hmm. you know, the more affluent or middle-class suburban areas. Yeah. So you are coming as an immigrant and you're trying to determine what best works for you again being mm. nigerians <laughs> you tend to you're just sort of given to you know want that life for yourself i mean it's mm. as every time you hit the mark but that's what you desire so and i know yeah. you had to consider that to like where is the best place for me i want to live around my, my kind yeah. of people but i also want to have access to the best amenities I think the yardstick for us was we just want a multicultural place, especially for the sake of our kids, because we don't want them in a place where they are like, like minority, minority. Mm-hmm. We're already minority, mm-hmm. right? 
And I also don't want them to be in a place where they can't see anybody that looks like them or even closely related to what, you know, yeah. what their culture is and things like that. So we, we decided, okay, you know what? We could go to the very high end or eyebrow area mm-hmm. and have to fork out a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, because it will mean like, you know how much we're going to mortgage it will be really really high and say okay we want to stay in this area because of education because they have better schools or whatever but then we thought about what would then happen to our kids because by the time they go to school and they're the only one looking the way they look mm-hmm. and then there's this other <laughs> your house demographic. will be a landmark house everything will start and end <laughs> oh, exactly. the that house <laughs> You know the kind of challenges we would have mm. every day because they don't understand our culture. Maybe the teachers would think they did something in a certain way. Just imagine the calling me about the bump in my son's head. <laughs> I mean, that, that's an example. Mm-hmm. So we felt like, look, we don't want to have to put up with this kind of, you know, it's exhausting having to get calls every day and, you know, just trying to understand the children and whatever. So I guess we, we chose where even though there's still slightly a higher demography of people, there's still a higher, but it's 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 multicultural, like it's very diverse. Mm-hmm. Like there are different people from different races, mm-hmm. from different backgrounds and all of that. So I think in America, like I said, it's a bit different here. Like you would still have amenities and all of that. So regardless of where you decide to settle, you will have the basic amenities, right. you know? So okay. maybe it wasn't too much of yeah. In America, also, it will depend on the states. It will depend on it depends on so many other things. But I'll say generally, in that sense, that class divide is very sharp. And I know I've mm-hmm. met Nigerians that have a I'll say it's a mindset of I don't want to I don't want to be close to Nigerians. And I think we addressed it in one of the episodes too, where we, I get it because it can be tricky. We've heard tales, you know, of how Nigerians in diaspora can be be tricky, you know, rolling with them and all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because that also informs their decision on on where they find the housing. So again, once I move out of these certain areas, then I won't have a ton of my people around and all of that. So, Mm. I mean, I... I don't know what to make of that mindset, but I know that there is something. Just... And they say, "Why did I leave Nigeria? I left <laughs> exactly. Nigeria. Why did I leave Nigeria too? Away exactly. from Nigeria." And they say things like that. I get. I get. I honestly don't. I don't want to say I get it. I hear. I hear you. Whoever you know mm. holds that mindset, but I know that there's something um, mentally and socially. Um, is this stabling? Or helpful when you have your mm-hmm. kind of people around, people that you can around you. relate. And, and I think that's why, honestly, the go-to location for people in Nigeria, like hardly would you hear a Nigerian set out from Nigeria and say, "I'm moving to Wyoming," like that, or to Maine, mm. like, like that's white or like very um, predominantly white areas in America. I'm mentioning, you know, nobody really sets out mm. to. I mean, some people do, but it's, it's not like the go-to place because you want to start from somewhere that is that will cushion your your experience. You know, starting from brand up and all that. So, um, again, if that's your mindset and it works for you, I'm happy for you. But I just know for me, it, as much as I want access to that, you know, the good amenities, the area mm-hmm. and security and all those things. I would also like to be in a place where I have access to my people, the people I'll call and you my have tribe. Peace of mind, and I, exactly, you know, yeah. 
yeah peace of mind over <laughs> anything else and i get it but so i get where you're coming from because i mean everyone deserves to have those good amenities mm-hmm. right and everyone wants to have them so it's not just a certain people type of people that want everyone wants to have a good life mm-hmm. so i don't blame anyone for wanting to go to those areas mm-hmm. because obviously like I would love to mm-hmm. have access to, to those amenities as well. So I guess, again, it still comes down to this conversation of assimilation versus authenticity. Yeah. So how authentic do you want to be? Or how, 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 how much authenticity do you, want, do you want to compromise I want to live on? House. The compromise is fine. By assimilating. House, fine area. No. A never-ending conversation, I, I think, know. and you know, we'll continue to have the conversation. And I guess m- migrating as a whole, like you know, we've been talking about the pain of migration. I mean, it comes with its its um pros. I mean, its perks as well. Yeah. You know, you get to live a better life if you're coming from a place where there are no infrastructure and all of that. But at the end of the day, y- you still continue to talk about these struggles because there are struggles, and mm-hmm. you know continue to navigate and speaking about you know people with a mindset about you know not wanting to be with nigerians no. or you know or their own, own kind of people yeah so that that will bring us to our next topic which is um diaspora blessing or a curse now i know that some people have even said something about the word diaspora being a problematic oh, word yeah. I've oh, been yeah. before. oh yeah so, I mean, we'll talk about how fellow Nigerians, Africans of the abroad, you know, <laughs> and I think that's going to be a really interesting topic because yeah. I have had multiple experiences and I can tell you, like, I was still wrong with my own people. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, I'm not open to having friends from other backgrounds or races or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, these are people that. I feel the most at home with because mm-hmm. they get my jokes. Like we, mm-hmm. we have, we, you don't we have just, to, like, we just explain yourself. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to explain your jokes, you know. So, um, yeah. So, guys, like we said, we can go on and on about this topic, and I'm sure you guys found quite a number of things we said relatable, and hope you enjoyed listening to us. Um, please continue to engage with us on our social media, on Facebook, on Instagram at tiwap.podcast and also remember to you know follow or subscribe or just listen wherever you get your podcast and hope to catch you in the next episode thank you that's it with Aisha and Pusola. bye bye let me say that the case no curse 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 <laughs> This podcast is produced by Historia County Audio Network. If you enjoyed this conversation with Aisha and Basola, you are welcome to follow this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Relevant links and show notes will be in the description. 
Until next time, that's it for now.